Treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to the amazing world of radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to the amazing world of radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, well, today we're going to continue our look at Raymond Massey as Abraham Lincoln. This time we're going to turn to Radio Reader's Digest. And uh, as it implies, uh, this was a radio series that was based on stories that were published in Reader's Digest. And it was sponsored by Hallmark before Hallmark would have its own branded program with that, you know, certain Hallmark feel that you get with uh, the Hallmark Playhouse or the Hallmark Hall of Fame. Fans of the great detectives of old-time radio may recognize today's host uh, for the Hallmark Playhouse, but let's go ahead and take a listen. Uh, from February 13th, 1947, this is The Council Assigned. The makers of Hallmark greeting cards bring you the true but little-known story of a young man who risked political defeat in order to help a friend. His name was Abraham Lincoln, and our star is Raymond Massey. For more than a third of a century, quality has been a habit with the makers of Hallmark cards. They have the pride of craftsmen in their name, H-A-L-L-M-A-R-K, Hallmark. That's why Hallmark cards are the kind of cards you can be proud to send, proud to receive. So when you want to send the very finest, look on the back for those three identifying words, a Hallmark card. Those three words, a Hallmark card, are your assurance of finest quality. They tell your friends you cared enough to send the very best. To be doubly sure... Always look in the back of the card you choose for those three identifying words, a Hallmark card. Now to preside over our program this evening, here's our regular master of ceremonies, the young Broadway actor and producer, Richard Calmer. Thank you, Tom Shirley, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard many stories of Abraham Lincoln, his simplicity, his humor... His greatness. But our story tonight is one of the least known and most moving of Lincoln's whole career. An incident when Lincoln stood to lose everything for the sake of a murderer. And for our star tonight, the makers of Hallmark Greeting Cards bring you the greatest living interpreter of Lincoln, Raymond Massey. Thank you, Dick. You know, if Hallmark Greeting Cards were to carry one Lincoln's Day message to our friends, they could do no better than tell something that happened to me once. You've already told the story on your Reader's Digest, radio edition. But it actually happened to me. What was it, Frank? Well, I was on tour in Abe Lincoln, Illinois. After one performance, a very old man came around to my dressing room. Massey said, I like the way you play, Mr. Lincoln, but I heard you say the Gettysburg Address over the radio a few weeks ago, and you made the same mistake as everyone else. I heard Mr. Lincoln give that speech at Gettysburg. I was only a few feet away, so I know what I'm talking about. 
You said, of the people, by the people, and for the people. But Mr. Lincoln said, of the people, of the people, by the people, by the people, and for the people. It makes a difference. It always made a difference to Abraham Lincoln when the people were concerned, Ray. But that's our story. The makers of Hallmark Reading Cards present tonight on the Reader's Digest Radio Edition, Raymond Massey in The Council of Signs. come to my opponent. Who is he? Just where did he come from? Is he fit to represent you good people in the halls of Congress? Those are some of the questions we should ask about my opponent. Is he the sort of man we want to send to the House of Representatives in Washington to deal with the momentous affairs of this great nation? Do you want such a man? Now I ask you. Do you want an ugly, awkward bumpkin representing you? You've seen my opponent and you've heard him speak. And I'm quite sure that you have the good sense to realize that the last man in this world to send to Congress is this gangling, clumsy dope. This oaf. This fat woodsman. This Abraham Lincoln. to please an old friend if you'll calm down to please me. Don't try to be funny, Abe. We're going to lose the election if you don't stir yourself. All right. Now, look, Tom, I'm trying to catch up on my mail. Now, I'll just sit here and look over these letters, and you sit there and tell me the bad news. That way, we'll both enjoy ourselves. I just came from meeting hall. Mm-hmm. Cartwright made a speech. Nothing unscheduled about that. He poked fun at you, Abe. Picked a good subject, didn't he? He said you were awkward and silly. He made fun of your looks. Can't imagine why. And they laughed. <laughs> they laughed at you, Abe. I see. The weapon of ridicule, eh? Yes. And it worked. Abe, after that speech, Cartwright, I wouldn't want to guarantee that anyone in that hall would ever vote for you. I wouldn't want to guarantee that they would. You don't know how how effective he was. He he painted the most ludicrous picture of you until they had him rocking with laughter. And then he asked how such a man as Abe Lincoln could ever get along with the great statesman in Washington. Huh? I've been wondering some about that myself. Well, what are you going to do? Why, I'd say the whole contest hinges on my speech Friday. Tom, it's my last chance. Yes. I'll talk to them. You heard me talk. You know, the people seem to like me. I know. Well, I'll just stand up before them and be honest. I'll admit that Tritrite right is correct. Hey, but you fooling? No. I'll tell them I plead guilty to the charge of being awkward. I'll confess I never know what to do with my hands. I'll do public penance for having been born in the backwoods. And I'll tell him Cartwright was very kind to call me ugly when the fact is I'm repulsive. <laughs> hey, that's good. You'll make everything Cartwright said look ridiculous. I think then I'll ask all the handsome ones and all the polished ones and all the ones who feel at home with great statesmen to vote for Cartwright to represent them. 
But I'll allow as how I might make a pretty good representative for the homely and the awkward and the timid. <laughs> That's wonderful. I should have known better. I should have known that you could speak to the people in their own language. Abe, we're going to win this election. Maybe. Now, let me get back to this man. As soon as you make that speech, you're as good as elected. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. What's the matter, Abe? This is bad. Something in that letter, Abe? Bad news? Rather bad news, yes, Tom. Can I help? Not unless you can tell me how a man can gain two places at once. What do you mean? I mean, I can't make the speech Friday. What? I can't be here. Why not? Because I gotta be elsewhere. But no, Abe... no, that, that's all I can tell you, Tom. But Abe, we'll lose the election. Tom, I got two things to say to that. First, no man should set himself up as knowing what the people will do in any election. The people will elect the man they want, whether I make a speech or not. I tell you, we'll lose the election if you don't make it. Which brings me to the second point. There are some things more important than election. I won't make the speech because I won't be in this town on Friday. I'll be 20 miles away. And I'll be very, very busy, Tom. <laughs> indicted for the murder of William Chalmacy on October 10th, 1845. Is the defendant present? You mean me, Judge? You're John Wilson? Yes, sir. Have you a lawyer? No. I don't know anybody. I ain't got money to pay. Do you wish the court to assign you counsel? I don't know. Your Honor. Who is it who addresses the court? The court. Your Honor, I am a lawyer. I should be glad to act as counsel for the defense. What's your name? Abraham Lincoln. I know your name, counsel. I should be glad to assign you to defend the prisoner. I hope you won't need much time to confer with him. I won't need any time, Your Honor. I have been told the facts of this case. Very well. Mr. District Attorney, will you state your case? Please, Your Honor. Gentlemen of the jury. This case is a very simple one in which there is no doubt Hello, that a son. murder was committed. Hello. You don't remember me, do you? How old are you? Fifteen. Fifteen. I'm sorry for you, my boy. You mean you think they'll tell me? I don't know. Let's listen to the case against William Tronacy. Thus, killing him. After the state's witness testifies after these facts, and they are facts, it will be my solemn duty to ask you, gentlemen of the jury, for the life of John Wilson. And it will be your duty to find him guilty that he may be sentenced to hang. Now, as my first witness, may I call Amos Berry. Amos Berry, take the stand. Yes, Your Honor. Hey, Miss Barry, do you swear to tell truth, hold truth, nothing but truth, help God? I do. Be kidding. Proceed with the questioning of the witness. Mr. Barry, you own a farm three miles downtown? I do. On October 10th last, what employees did you have on that farm? John Wilson. The prisoner? Yes. Any other employees? One other. William Charles. 
The man, John Wilson, murdered? Yes. Doesn't the defense attorney intend to object to that last question? No objection, Your Honor. As you please. Proceed. Now, Mr. Berry, what were the relations of the prisoner to William Shaughnessy? He hated Shaughnessy. Why? I don't know. Shaughnessy was a great joker. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why. Did you like Shaughnessy? Very much. He's a great one for making everyone laugh. So, if somebody did not like him, you think that person was unnatural? Yes. Just a moment. I'm willing to entertain an objection to that question and to the whole line of questioning. Your Honor, I'm willing for the district attorney to question this man any way he sees fit. Well, all right. Go on, Mr. District Attorney. Mr. Barry, tell us about the events of October 10th. Uh, well, sir, I suppose you mean about the murder? I mean about the murder. Yes, sir. Shaughnessy and me were standing at the gate to the hayfield when the boy come along. By the boy, you mean John Wilson? That's right. He was driving a wagon load of hay to the next farm. He yelled down from the wagon to ask me to open the gate. Shaughnessy said, let him get down off the wagon and open himself. Come on down, Johnny, he yelled. Don't be so lazy. Open the gate yourself. And that's when John Wilson murdered Charlotte. <laughs> well, counsel. I haven't said anything, Your Honor. I have no objection. Let him go on. Very well. When Charlotte called to John Wilson to get off the wagon and open the gate himself, that's when the murder took place? Not right that second. John got down all right. He was piping mad. I guess he didn't know that Shaughnessy was just fooling. It was just a harmless joke. Well, yes. And as the boy walked toward the gate, Shaughnessy picked up a pitchfork and said, Get a move on there, Johnny, and touched it to his backside. Johnny whirled, grabbed the pitchfork out of Shaughnessy's hand, and ran it right through his skull, killing him. Yes, sir. There it is. The prisoner at the bar is so depraved that already at the age of 15, he has taken a man's life. A simple case of murder for which the defendant must pay the penalty. Your witness, Mr. Lincoln. I have no questions to ask the witness. Mr. Judge, we're all sore back here in the audience. Order. The boy done it and the boy's got to hang. But why don't his lawyer do something for him? Get another lawyer. Order. Order in the court. In order to give various tempers a chance to cool down, this court hereby takes a recess for lunch. <laughs> Mr. Lincoln, they're going to hang him, Mr. Lincoln. Son, I don't know. You did kill Shaughnessy, didn't you? Yes, sir. All right, son. I understand. I understand why. And I'll try to help you. But that means that he said... But I wasn't doing anything to help you. Well, son, please believe me. I have my methods, just as the district attorney has his. This afternoon, it'll be my turn. And I pray to God I won't stay. Raymond Massey will be back in just a moment with the second act of tonight's drama presented by Hallmark Greeting Cards from the pages of the Reader's Digest, America's favorite magazine. 
Now, here's Dick Thomas. What is your favorite Valentine memory? The exciting box at school when you were very young? The fancy Valentine all satin and lace from that certain boy or girl in the next block? Well, tomorrow, Valentine's Day is with us again. But it's different now. Through the years, the custom has been changing. Now, Valentine's Day is an occasion to remember all your friends and dear ones with a message of affection. The folks who make Hallmark cards know this new importance of St. Valentine's Day and have given careful thought to creating Valentine's for your every need. You'll find sentimental Hallmark Valentine cards for your sweetheart, gay and colorful cutouts for the children, tender messages of affection for all your loved ones. Tomorrow of all days, you don't want any dear one to feel that you've forgotten. If you haven't sent your Valentine's, Stop in at your Hallmark dealer to the Mark dealer tomorrow. It's still not too late to let your loved ones know that you do care. For more than a third of a century, quality has been a habit with the makers of Hallmark cards. That's why on Valentine's Day, as always, discriminating folks look on the back of the cards they send and receive for the three identifying words, a Hallmark card. Those three words, a Hallmark card, are your assurance of finest quality. They tell your friends you cared enough to send the very best. And now, back to Raymond Massey as Abraham Lincoln in The Council of Science. You all right, Sonny? I don't know, Mr. Wayne. Don't be scared, Sonny. I'm going to pull you out of this hole. Trying to be plucky for your mother's sake. Mr. Lincoln? Yes, Your Honor. May it please, Your Honor and gentlemen of the jury, I'm going to try this case in a manner not customary in the courts. I shall not call witnesses. All I'm going to do is to tell you a story and then leave the case in your hands. Now, you gentlemen of the jury, you Jim Beck, you Jack Armstrong, you two can remember. Yes, and you as well, Lou Green. You can remember 15 years back when a long, lanky fella in God-forsaken clothes came into this country from Indiana. He was dressed in homespun jeans with the breeches stuffed into rawhide boots. I'm sure you remember that young man. His name was Abraham Lincoln. <clears throat> I'd left home to shift for myself. And in those pinching times, I could not always get work. Late one afternoon, when I had walked miles looking for a chance, I came upon a cabin. It was a poor cabin, even a settler's cabin to go. It was cloth over the windows instead of glass. It was the home of poor people. I went up to the door and knocked. Hello. Hello. I knocked because I... Because... You're tired. I didn't know you could tell so easily. I can tell. Come on in. Thank you. Uh, this is my wife. Welcome. You come far? I've been tramping most of the day. Well, then you'll be tired and hungry. Uh, sit down here. I'll get some food for you. People are very kind. Poor people have to be kind. They need kindness so often themselves. I'll only be... Hey, why don't you take off your shoes? Oh, there's no need. Well, your feet must be tired. <laughs> well, my feet are tired, but I must say you're making my spirit feel mighty lively. Here's a nice hot soup. 
This will keep you occupied while I fry up some potatoes and meat. Oh, thank you, ma'am. I can't say when I've been made to feel so much like a king. We're very glad to help you. Where are you staying tonight? I counted on walking into the next town. Oh, nonsense. You're too tired. When you finish eating, we'll make up a bunk for you near the fireplace. Oh, no, no. There is no need of oh, that. Of course. Oh, no, no. Oh, I got tired. I... <laughs> we'll make up a bunk for you, stranger. <laughs> Slept in that little cabin all night. Fact is, I was tired. So tired that I overslept. I might be sleeping yet if the sound hadn't wakened me. A very sweet sound. time is it? It's almost 10 o'clock. My goodness. I, I didn't know you had a child. He was asleep last night. Oh, I'll make your breakfast as soon as I can sing him to sleep. Ma'am, I'll make a bargain with you. What is it? I don't deserve breakfast, but if you want to make it, you hand that little baby over to me and I'll sing him to sleep. I'm getting the best of that bargain. Here. Well, the baby ain't anyway. I'm going to break the ready in a jiffy. Oh, now, look, son. The, the trick is not to look at my face. Then you won't have to cry so hard. Now, wait. Sweet and low, sweet and low. Wind of the western sea. That's it, son. You like it here, don't you? I like it here myself. <laughs> well, that's one of the hardiest breakfasts I've had in weeks. I'm glad you liked it. You just go on about your work and let me clean up these dishes. Uh, why don't we both do them? All right. Then I'll be on the way. Where are you going? Oh, I'm not quite sure. You're looking for work, aren't you? Yes. I thought so. Uh, I... What is it, ma'am? Well, we haven't got much money, but my husband has got work for someone that, that might need it. He's clearing the forest around here and work goes slow. He's out there now, all alone, and he, he needs something. Well, then, I want to help by all means. You couldn't, couldn't pay much, but you could stay here with us, and you'd be fed and have a place to sleep. You don't know what that means to me. I have an idea. I've been hungry in the days and cold by nights for more than two weeks now. Last night, I knocked on your door. You and your husband took me in and fed me and made me feel comfortable. More than that. Made me feel human again. We know what it is to be hungry. And now you give me work and shelter. I hope you understand we can't pay enough. That's where you're wrong. You're paying very much. Very much indeed. I only hope I can repay you someday. Perhaps you can. Poor people always need help from one another. Gentlemen of the jury, for five weeks I lived in that cabin. I chopped wood with the father, did housework with the mother, and romped with the laughing babies many a time. 
No part of my life has ever been more lighthearted or happy. Now, by good fortune, by the blessing of God, I have made for myself a certain place in the community. As much as might be, I have kept in touch with those old friends. But in the stress of a busy life, I have not of late years heard from them. Till last Monday morning, a letter came to me from the mother who welcomed the tired youth of her cabin so many years ago. Her husband had died, and in trouble now, she turned to me. That mother stood there. Order! Order! The baby she sang to, the baby that I myself sang to sleep while she prepared my breakfast. That baby is the prisoner at the bar. Order! Order in the court! Go on, Mr. Lincoln. Many times I have prayed to God to give me a chance to show my gratitude to those poor people. When the letter came last Monday, I knew that God had answered me. But the answer to a prayer comes sometimes with a demand for sacrifice. It was so this time. Today I was to have made a speech which bore people's likely success or failure in the contest. I lay my ambition gladly on the altar of this boy's safety. Gentlemen of the jury, you know that at this boy's age, his hand should have held screw books or a fishing rod, not a pitchfork. You can take that into consideration. You can take into consideration the fact that Shaughnessy, the man he killed, yes, we admit that John Wilson killed him, was a practical joke that he goaded this child until in desperation John Wilson used the pitchfork that was at hand. You know these things as well as I do. All I ask is that you deal with the little fellow as you would of other men in such a case, deal with little fellows of your own at home. Gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case. Jury finds the defendant not guilty. Come in. Mr. Lincoln? Mrs. Wilson and John. Come in, come in. Here, sit down. Mr. Lincoln, my mother and I came to thank you. I was too upset after the trial. So was I. I understood. You, well, we haven't got a great deal of money to pay you. You said that to me once before, Mrs. Wilson. Yes, I remember. Let's say no more about payment or repayment, will we? Tell him, Mother. Yes, John, just a minute. Tell me what. Well, John and I know that you gave up your chance to make that speech just to help us. And someone told us that would likely lose the election for you. There are some things more important than elections, Mrs. Wilson. Well, that's not for me to judge, Mr. Lincoln, but we thought, John and I, that, that if people knew why you weren't here to make that speech, it might help you to win. So we've been going from house to house here in town, telling you. You've been going from house to house. I hope we didn't do wrong, Mr. Lincoln. Wrong? I mean, we only did what we thought might help. If we said anything... You didn't do wrong, Mrs. Wilson. 
I just couldn't find the words to tell you how I feel. I guess there are only two words to say, anyhow. Just thank you. Whether it makes any difference in the election or not, thank you, Mrs. Wood. And God bless you. It was a typical backwoods election. A tall, shambling man running for Congress and a shabby woman and a son patiently going from house to house speaking a few words of explanation. But from these simple roots sprang something far bigger than the woman and the son ever dreamed. For Abraham Lincoln was elected to Congress. The first step on the road was to lead him to the presidency of the United States and to enduring greatness. Thank you, Raymond Massey, for a compelling interpretation of an exciting story. Well, of course, Dick, no prosecutor would let such a defense stand today. Only Mr. Lincoln could have done it, even in 1845. Only a man whose sense of justice was greater than his ambition. Remember, when you want a greater friend, send a Hallmark card. Well, whatever the occasion, a Hallmark card will say what you want to say the way you want to say it. So always look in the back of the card you choose for those three identifying words, a Hallmark card. Like the word sterling on silver, those three words, a Hallmark card, are your assurance of finest quality. They tell your friends you cared enough to send the very best. You're cordially invited to be with us again next week at the same time for another fine dramatic program brought to you by the makers of Hallmark greeting cards, America's favorite greeting cards. If you enjoyed tonight's show... Won't you please tell your friends about it and ask them also to tune in for next week's program sponsored by Hallmark Greeting Cards. At that time, you will hear the true and exciting story of a three-year search for criminals conducted by a one-man posse, and our star will be Wallace Beery. by Mary Raymond Shipman Andrews and was dramatized by Robert Senadella from the Reader's Digest, America's favorite magazine. The Hallmark program was directed by Mark Loeb with music especially composed by Jack Miller. To be doubly sure of the finest quality, always look in the back of your cards for those three identifying words, a Hallmark card. This is Tom Shirley speaking for the makers of Hallmark greeting cards and for your friendly Hallmark dealers. You'll find a wide selection of Hallmark cards at America's finest shops and stores. Remember, a Hallmark card will best express your perfect taste, your thoughtfulness. Welcome back. An interesting story that captures the humanity of Lincoln, though it may be uh, of uh, more dubious 
accuracy than in uh, some of the stories that we will play. The story was written by Mary uh, Raymond Shipman Andrews, uh, who was known for her uh, melodramatic uh, fiction, and probably the most famous one was The Perfect uh, Tribute. And I think it's, you know, some historians have challenged some uh, portions of it, and I think it's safe to say The Perfect Tribute is probably more historical fiction than history, and I kind of suspect the same with this one. What incident she's basing this on, I'm not certain. Uh, the mention of Cartwright does job with his 1846 run for Congress, when he won his only term in Congress by a 56-42 to 42 margin over uh, Peter Cartwright. I will add that the radio adaptation adds a detail that was not actually in the original story with that detail of the widow and her son going campaigning for uh, Lincoln for Congress having been an invention of the radio writers. While this wasn't word-for-word historic, it does portray something about how Lincoln... Uh, was viewed by uh, his countrymen and that that sort of impact and the type of man that he was. He was also quite a skilled attorney. And there was a book out in 2017, which I I think I'm going to want to read about the murder trials of Abraham Lincoln and how he had a very high success rate, uh, very skilled in the courtroom, good at cross-examination, good at tactics, and good at being able to empathetically uh, connect with uh, a courtroom. I found the Hallmark ads kind of amusing for Valentine's Day. Um, I have to admit, I I grew up uh, not really celebrating it, and pretty much now I only uh, celebrate Valentine's Day with my wife. But here you have these ads making the points that you need to send Valentine's Day cards for uh, everyone you know, uh, lest they think you forgot them. You know, and I know kids at school did it. I wonder how widespread this really was. Uh, and Hallmark's kind of acting like, you know, not that we had anything to do with that. Or are in any way encouraging or maintaining this tradition that has you sending Valentine's Day greeting cards to literally everyone you know. Uh, you don't want people to think you forgot them, so you better stock up on the Hallmark cards. So I I do kind of, this makes me a little curious as to what degree Valentine's cards were being sent out and if there are still people who send it to, send Valentine's to people other than, you know, uh, sweethearts or perhaps your mother. All right, well, that's actually all for now. Join us back here on Sunday as we'll be taking a look at another uh, story uh, from Abraham Lincoln featuring Raymond Massey. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.